Well, good morning. What a great worship service we just had. I don't know if you recognize what was going on up here, but they were involved in worship, and we had some young people in the front row right here singing and leading you in worship. I have to say, that in itself is amazing. And of course, we got a couple of the old guys in the back, which of course... I am one of them, and I love those guys. We've been playing music for a long time, so it's nice to see the, the different styles and generations coming together worshiping. I, I don't know about you, but I loved it, so I thought it was amazing. Great job to our worship team and great voices, and I think we can just all go home now. That was good. I'm so happy that you're here today. This is kind of our kickoff for the fall. Lots of stuff is happening. It's been a couple years since we've been able to actually do a kickoff, so I'm glad that you were able to make it out, and welcome to our friends in Haida Gwaii and those all over the province that are watching online. Uh, I want to talk to you about something uh, that's close to my heart about the church. Uh, I get very uh, passionate about the church and how the church has changed over the years and, 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 and the reputation that it has gotten. And uh, I think we need to do a little bit of work. And I'm not just talking about our church or uh, us here, but all over North America, we need to change the perspective because eternity is too important. I don't know if you realize that, but it's too important to be messing around. So let's be an example. And so I want to give you one of my favorite verses. You've heard it. You're so sick of it. But guess what? It's the Bible. You're not allowed to be sick of it. You should have it memorized on your heart. Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40. And I didn't put it up on the screens purposefully today because I want you to listen to every scripture that I read today and just grab onto it and have a passion for the Word of God. If this is the Word of God, man, we got to jump in, eh? Yeah? Some of you, all right, the rest don't care. So, okay, we're going to read chapter 22 of Matthew 36 to 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? You're probably sick of it. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the prophets, oh, sorry, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, don't worry, that's not the only scripture we're going to go to today, but that is the key. That is, the, that is the one. When Jesus says something, you stand up and you listen to what he is saying. And when he says you are to love God, you love God. And when he says love your neighbor, you're to love your neighbor. There is no, well, if I like them, if I feel like it today, I've had a bad week, I don't care. God said love me, love your neighbor. Do it. It's easy. It's easy. But we make it difficult because our, our past, what's going on in our lives today and that if it happened and what we think about is going to happen in the future gets in the way of us making a difference. And we hold ourselves back. Don't hold yourself back for what God has in store for you. You're missing out. Don't get caught up in your own head. Don't get caught up in your circumstances, where you were born, who you were born with, how poor you are, how rich you are. Don't get caught up in that. Although I'd really like to try the whole you know, rich part and being a Christian. I'd like to see how that goes. we got to get it. In the Old Testament, the command to love in Leviticus 19.18 is what makes Jesus' new commandment the new standard and the new um, order, the new example. And he's going to say something, and I'm going to read it to you in a couple minutes. 
But he says something else that we have to do. Now, in, in the Jewish culture, I have to say one thing. The Jewish culture gets a bad rap from uh, North, well, specifically, because I live here, North American Christianity, okay? Jewish people were very devout. And every law they put in place was so that they could serve God and serve him better. And what happened all throughout time is in the Old Testament, there was just battles and fights of what rules are good and how we can be better God. And then it became a religion and it just became, you know, the whole relationship system kind of got muddled. Well, we shouldn't shake a stick at them and go, ah, bad on you. Because they tried their best to do what they thought was right, just like we try to do. So they put some of these things in place so they'd be closer to God and so that others would see God in them. And like most things, it's cyclical. It starts out good and then it becomes corrupt or becomes a problem or becomes religious. And that's where we fall into it today. I'll tell you right now, if you study history, and I've been a lot of it lately, nothing is new. Nothing is new. If you look at the old empires from basically Christ's crucifixion all the way to 1000 AD or even further, you will see the same thing cycling. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up. They're persecuted, they're not persecuted. Like, we, we do the same thing here. And that old saying that says if, you're, if you, you know, history repeats itself, it does. So you know what you should do? Learn history so it doesn't repeat itself or so that you know how to react when it does. Yes? And you're going, I don't want to study history. That was the worst class in school. I hated it. Yeah, it can be boring, but I'm telling you right now, when you dig in, when you dig in, you start to learn so much, first of all, about humans, and they make mistakes constantly, and they keep messing around all the time, and they, it's about them. Do you know that popes actually killed each other at one point? Yeah. Crazy, right? Love God, love your neighbor, but I'm going to kill you. I don't know. See, when we see that kind of stuff, we have to be careful. We get in the way. Don't let yourself get in the way. So, so this new standard, Leviticus 19.18, and, and what Jesus has said, he's laid it out for you, and he, and he says, this is, this is it. But Jewish ethics, what they would do, they would learn by imitation. You've all heard <laughs> that imitation is the best compliment does it feel like it when someone is imitating you? Not usually. It's like, hey, that's my style. I'm the one who wears Tommy Bahama. Not you. You buy your own, right? Or when Michelle repeats everything I say after I've said it just to drive me crazy. Yeah, don't look at her like that. She does it. Yeah, she's no, not you. No. Yeah, she does. And it drives me nuts. It drives me insane. So I, 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 that's probably one of the little few things that, that makes me rage inside is when somebody, don't do it afterwards, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm in no mood for imitation today. <laughs> but they would imitate, and that included imitating God's good character. Now, as you go through history, you start to realize, eh, did they? No, they started to slip. And again, they got in the way of themselves. And a disciple of anybody in biblical times, was, su was supposed to follow the examples of their teachers. And in those times as well, love for one's own people group that they hung out with did not imply that one doesn't love those outside the people group. Do you understand? 
It doesn't mean, well, we, we just love on Christians because we're to love our neighbor and, you know, I'm sitting beside you, so, yeah, there you go. No. Outside as well. When you walk out these doors, you love them. It's hard, yes. It's hard inside too, by the way. Some of us make it a little bit more difficult sometimes in the church. Yeah? Yeah? Sometimes? I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying. So we have to look inside and outside. Now, John chapter 13, verses 1 to 17, we see Jesus leading by example, and what he's doing is he's washing everyone's feet. And he follows it up with this, and this, I love it. John 13, same chapter, 35, uh, 34 and 35. He said, a new commandment I give you. Stop, wait for it. Jesus is saying, I'm giving you something else. He said, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What do you think he's trying to say? Love one another as I have loved you. Imitate what I have shown you. It's simple. It's a matter of the approach of Jesus' love, the depth of his love, the type of his love. Love one another in the same way I have loved you. Again, imitating the character of God. Now, all throughout Jesus' ministry, the disciples struggled with appreciating what Jesus was doing on their behalf. They struggled. You see it through. They were bumbling around trying to figure things out. Every now and then, they like, I think I get it. And he'd be like, no, actually, you don't have a clue. Here's a whole bunch of parables just to kind of slam it home. And then they would be like, but uh, I'm not sure. And they missed it. They missed it. Not all the time, but they did miss it. And all throughout that, they were struggling to understand everything. He's telling them to copy them. He's telling you to copy him in the same way I have loved you are to love. So, as with foot washing, they're to look back at his whole life, at Jesus' whole life, every disciple, the whole, um, his whole way, his whole manner of life. Uh, they were to find a pattern, a shape, uh, an example, a power, whatever you want to call it, they were to imitate him. They were to find it. For someone washing someone's feet would put them in the position of a slave. And, and you know this, but it's a servant, a servant who's going to do good. And this imitation is not done when we imitate God's character and his love or Jesus and what he did. It's not done as an inverted pride, a, a, an inside pride self is saying that look at how awesome I am and how humble I've become because I'm like Jesus. No. With godly love, there is no danger of that. There is no danger of being prideful. But we have been given a great example to copy Love is all about the other person. It overflows into service, and it does not have a sense of pride or a sense of showing off. It's not, look at me, look at me. And we beat on the Pharisees for that quite a bit, don't we? Because in Scripture, a lot of preachers go after the Pharisees because of what they did, and we don't follow it up with what? They were doing what they thought were right. They thought they interpreted it correctly. Like, look at me. You could be like me. But they missed it. 
So I can't blame them. They didn't understand it because we miss it too. We miss it a lot. So love, loving the other person is about this overflow of service to others. So my question to you today is, knowing what God has asked of his followers, what do you say to these commandments of Jesus? Now before you answer that, before we get there, let's look at Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. I'm going to read this for you. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. (laughs) It happened again. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Let's see how I can get out of this. Right? Is it who I like? Is it someone special? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Here comes the story. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and he went away, leaving him half dead. A priest a holy man, happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Now, there were rules uh, of of priests not touching unclean things, but there was also a cultural thing where the groups didn't get along. Know this. Throughout all of history, there have been different groups and sects within, right, S-E-C-T, within all the people groups. And so Pharisees, Sadducees, whatever Cs, all the other Cs, all of them were different groups and they believed in different things, okay? And so they thought they were better than the other ones and the other ones thought they were better and everybody just had a problem. Some were a mix of Jew and Gentile, Jew and whatever else. So there were problems. So the priest is like, I can't touch anything unclean and that looks like a dead dude, so I'm out of here, right? A Levite... When he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So they're just, they're just avoiding this guy like the grim reaper, right? Like a plague. They just don't want anything to do with him. But a Samaritan. Now these were the half Jew and half Gentile. As he traveled, he came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. I'm thinking oil and wine. That might sting, but that's okay. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after me, said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for the extra expense you may have. And Jesus goes like this. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor of the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Now, we sit there and go, clearly, we know what it is. But religious people in that time did not understand it as well as Jesus. They may be able to answer it, but they didn't know it. And this particular expert of the law says, well, of course, he probably bit his tongue. It probably hurt because he didn't want to answer it. You see how Jesus brings him around. And he says, well, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Mm. 
I don't know if you follow a lot of uh, different speakers uh, on any of the social medias or even in just the news or videos or YouTube or whatever you do, but Simon Sinek is one that I really like, one of my favorite speakers. And the reason why I like him, because he is so practical, man, ah, I feel like he should be a Christian. Uh, I don't know if he is or isn't. I didn't get that far into his bio uh, over the years, but man, he has got it figured out. And here's the thing. He studied cultural anthropology, which is uh, the study of social practices of different cultures, and, and he's been speaking all around the world, all around the world, and he's really helped people see who they are, how they are, and why they respond uh, the way they do in the culture that they live in. Okay, so the culture that they live in, uh, he helps them walk through this. And he has this one talk, it's called How Great Leaders Inspire Action. And he explores why having passion, belief, and the capacity to inspire others will make you a better leader, a better business owner, and just an all-out better person in general in whatever you do. And he says this, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. They buy why you do it. So I have a couple questions for you this morning. Why do you do what you do? Once we know what, uh, then we can kind of figure out how. But why do you do what you do? Why? That, think, think back. Why is there a reason why you became a Christian? Go back. Go back. Now, maybe you haven't become one yet, and, and maybe that's coming. But, but those that have... What's the reason you became a Christian? And only you can answer why you became a Christian. Think back to that moment, how you felt. Following Jesus, and you thought, this is the right thing to do. Because I don't know if we all really signed on and understood what we were supposed to do. Because when he says, love God and love your neighbor as yourself, we're like, oh yeah, sure, whatever, that sounds great. I, I didn't hear it. Maybe I didn't listen. Maybe, maybe it was preached and I just didn't catch it. But if they had said that, would I have made the same decision? Now, obviously, the Holy Spirit makes you know, his thing, his presence known, and he does what he's going to do. But, but why? Why did you choose? What was your reasoning in following Christ? Because he's asking you to let yourself go. Strip it throw it away, and put on the righteousness of him. What made you do that? And only you can answer that. And I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe there are a reason. Maybe you just didn't want to go to hell. Remember Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames? Oh, man, alive. Now, I'm dating myself, and if you're, like, under 30, you know what? You're going to just have to tune out for a couple minutes. But I'm telling you, Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flame was the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. Whew, what they would do is they would reenact different little snippets of stories of people dying and God choosing one and sending the other to hell. You, 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 you laugh, but it's true. And it was, it was horrifying, to be honest with you, because there would be a dad or a mom or a sister or whatever standing there going, no, as the person's getting dragged by demons into hell. And you're like, sign me up because... 
That sounds horrifying. And I remember when I was at uh, the big church in Abbotsford, I was doing the spotlight going, I can't believe this is happening to these people. It, it was horrific. But that's the style that we did back then. They used to also play rock music in the church and play it backwards so we could see what Satan was saying during the rock music. Yeah, they played it backwards. It's weird. Uh, how many of you play your music backwards? Yeah, right? So, because it's our, some of it's weird enough forwards, playing it backwards is going to really throw you. And then when he goes, love Satan, as it's going backwards, you can't play the stuff we play right now backwards. It's not possible. We had eight tracks and cassette tapes. And we go, right? And that's what they played on the big screen in the church and said, if you listen to that, Satan loves you and you're going straight to hell. And you'd be like, well, I guess I better stop listening to the, the rock music. And they said, but you know what's better? Christian rock. Because it's all about God. Now, I never played it backwards. So I don't know what it said backwards. I did play it forward. Striper. They wore spandex. I thought it was the, the outfits were horrifying, not the music. So we look at I don't even know where I'm going. I'm just telling you that their times have changed. Things have happened. But why did we choose this? Why did we want to become a Christian? And, and I understand when someone you know, is fearful of going to hell. That's, that's, that's fair. But do we understand exactly, and we don't have time to go into that, what gets you there? Because I think of hell as complete separation from God. Let's not worry about Satan down there with a the pitchfork going, ah, you're going to burn. Let's forget that part. Let's look at the separation from God and go with that. Okay, So that's where I look at that, and I'm not saying hell's not a place, and don't go off and say, oh, he doesn't believe in hell or the Bible or whatever. Don't do that. We can process things and talk together. But to me, the ultimate hell would be separated from God's love. Okay? Not the eternal like a fire. Okay? Let's not worry about that. But there's a lot of different reasons. There, others could be saying, well, the Spirit of God just moved on me, and I just, I just had, I had to. But Jesus doesn't call you to him for your selfish reasons. He doesn't, and I know we think he does. Well, you know, God really changed my life. Yes, he did change your life, but not for you. <laughs> not for you. He did it for others so that you could show others what he's done, change their lives, and inspire them. Inspire them to follow God's love. When you look at it this way, when you look at that he calls you to make other people's lives better, it completely changes why and how you respond to God and others. Listen, you may say I believe in God and I serve him, but how do you treat others? That says it all. Yes, people are frustrating. Trust me, I'm aware. You know and I know. And we can say things, we can vent, okay? We have a rule in the fire department. When we get back to the fire hall, anything goes. Nobody goes to HR, okay? Because we're frustrated. Things have happened. There's weird stuff that's gone on. We talk about it. We, we, we go through it. We, we, we discuss. And then, and then, you know, somebody can say, well, you should have done this and you should have done that. We, we try not to point fingers, but when it does happen, we don't take it personally because we know why. 
We know that we care about each other, that we would pull each other out of a fire in a heartbeat. We would go in after we came out and notice they weren't there. We would do anything. And it's the same thing. Man, if I could get a whole bunch of firemen to be Christians, do you know that there would not be one single light bulb, electrical problem, plumbing issue, parking lot that's just a disaster issue? They would fix it on their own free time because they give back. Christians need to do it. Christians are the ones who created hospitals. Christians are the ones that went in when everything was going haywire during every single pandemic that's ever existed except for this last one. We lost that real bad, real bad. We lost it. Now, agree or disagree with the intensity of the, of the pandemic, but people died, stuff happened. That's the way it is. We tried to protect everybody as best we could. We did our best. But there were a lot of people that stood up and just fought everything. I agree there's some weird stuff that happened, weird stuff that I'm going, that shouldn't be, the, you know, I don't know if they should have that much authority, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of that. But forget that part. That's not what I need to worry about. I need to worry about who is hurting, who is struggling, who needs to hear the word of God, and who needs help. That's all I care about. The government, guess what? We all think that we can fight over the government stuff. We can be like, oh, I'm a, I'm a whatever, a conservative, or I'm a liberal, or I'm an NDP, or oh, no, don't let them in the church. And, and there's all these other different people groups that, that are politic, politically motivated. But that doesn't matter. It's not about that. It's about Jesus. It's about his love. And all throughout history, kings, emperors, you name it, they were harder on Christians than you've ever experienced. The church was harder on Christians than you have ever seen. People would be murdered for not believing in a certain theology, a certain belief in who Christ was. Popes killed each other. Sometimes they're like, well, I just put him in jail and he starved to death. Oopsies, now I'm the Pope. Like, this is what they did. So let's not start wagging our finger at everybody else. We don't need to worry about what's happening. Pray for the government. Yes, we're supposed to. Pray for them. We're supposed to, you know, lobby as best we can for the things that we expect for people's rights and justice. Yes. But listen, our main thing is serving others and caring for others, not, not running and worrying about political stances. There are Christians on all different political stances, and whether we agree or disagree, that's irrelevant. We need to be there for them as well. You know, we're not expecting people to wear, a, you know, a liberal, an NDP, a green, and a conservative badge and go, I'm just going to walk around you because you're, you're, you're a green party and I don't really care about the environment. So we're not going to do that. We're going to care for every single person. Oh, you don't believe in God? You're an atheist and you don't? We love you. Simple. Why? Because he told us way too many times. Way too many times. Have you ever told your kids something over and over and over and over again? Or a friend or whoever. You've said it so many times that you're banging your head against the wall and they're not listening. Jesus is banging his head against the wall, my friends. He's going, what is rowing on with you? Love God. Love your neighbor. It's the greatest commandment. He calls you to make people's lives better.
Whew, I feel good today. Our main goal is to help people see Jesus and the Bible differently than they ever have before. We need to be Jesus-loving, people-loving followers of Jesus and let the other stuff work itself out. So how are we to do this? Okay, so you're going to figure out why you became a Christian and the whole reason why you should continue and get more, and you're going to do that. That's you. And you know how you do that. You go to life groups. Plug. Yes, life groups. They're starting up again. It's September. Everything's starting up again. Go to a life group. If you don't, you're missing out. I'm telling you. There has to be some community. Oh, we're going to get to that. So, by loving God and by inspiring others. This is how we do it. We love God and we inspire others. How do we do that? Well, first, we must become followers of Jesus that inspire community. And that's where coming together, gathering in a large group is good, but then also going to a life group where that's the community. Churches, mostly throughout history until they started building big cathedrals and all that, were in people's homes. That's where they became close and discussed important things. So we want to be an inspiring community, coming along the side of others, gatherings to, uh, together in, in retreats or life groups or, or living um, together in, 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 in harmony. Sunday services, all that. Being there for those that are going through difficult times. And also celebrating with others. Do you celebrate with others when they get something awesome? Or do you go, oh, I wish I did that, or I wish I had that? Do you celebrate? Do you get excited for what they've accomplished, for what they're doing? Don't let that inner voice say to you, yeah, but, you know, you know I could have done that. Or Don't celebrate them 100%. Let them do their thing. You got your thing. Inspire people. Secondly, we inspire others by growing our faith. The more you are in Scripture, the more you understand your own faith, the more you understand why you do what you do, who Jesus is, what God's character is, and how you can emulate that. Your faith must continue to grow. You should be growing every week. You should be always searching for how God has given you something new to move forward. And again, that's where we come together and we learn about his word. And thirdly, we inspire others by acting out our faith because of a transformational life. When we act out our faith in love by being the church, by going and being like Jesus, and we do it by knowing our gifts and our abilities so that we can help those that are in need. I want to change the way people look at Jesus and the way they look at Scripture. I would really love it if you'd come along with me and help me do that. In your circle of influence, no one knows you like you know the people that you know. You have an influence in them. You have the ability to help walk them through. And if you don't, you're missing an opportunity of showing them that Jesus can change their lives forever. Doesn't mean it'll be easy. Doesn't mean there won't be problems down the road. But guess what? Their lives will change. And it will be for the better. And so our new vision for West Winds Community Church. So we used to, back in the day we went and we said, we're going to go and be the church. Well, guess what? We're doing that. We're doing that in lunch programs. We're doing them at the, at the Cloverdale Kitchen. We do it at Christmas. We do it constantly by feeding and clothing and, 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 and serving in many ways in our community. We've gone and we've become the church. 
And that's where you are, where you live, where you work, where you play. But I would love it if we would look at this new way of inspiring community, of inspiring faith, and having life-changing transformation. And over the next few months, we're going to unpack what this all means to what it's going to be like. Because we're not there yet. We're not always inspiring. We're not growing our faith as much as we could. And we're not always changing to be completely different than what we were a year, two, five, ten years ago. We must transform our lives and others by growing in our faith and by being in community. So our mission is simple. Because we were going to be, I wanted to take Jesus' words and I wanted to say, go and do likewise. Everywhere you go, be like Jesus. Love God, love your neighbor, serve them, It's not about you. It's about him. And until we get there, we will not inspire anyone to come into community. We will not inspire anyone to grow in their faith. And we will not inspire anyone to change and be transformationally changed. So today, I believe you have it in you. I know you have it in you. But you have to make that decision as you walk out the door everywhere you go. You are there for others, everywhere you go. doesn't matter who they are, what they look like, what they've done. We're there for them. So go and do likewise. Which of these three robbers do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers and the expert of the law said, the one who had mercy? And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your word. Help us to understand why we became a follower of Jesus and help us to get that passion back in our hearts so that we can go out there and show others what a real follower of Jesus is. Help us to be that example. Thank you for everything that you've done in our lives. Thank you that we've made it through some difficult times, not as difficult throughout history, but difficult in our time. Help us to recognize that. And help us to hear your voice in all the noise, that still small voice that is pointing us in the right direction. Give us direction the best you can. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in our lives at all times. And we welcome you in, in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. So as you part, I wanted to give you a little gift. Our friend um, Pat Laurie has handmade root beer. I don't know, handmade? Is that what they call it? Homemade, handmade. He did, he did use his hands. I don't think he used his feet, so you should be okay. Uh, fresh root beer, he's going to do that. with. Uh, you can have a root beer float with, with uh, vanilla ice cream. So I thought parting as you left, I'd just give everybody diabetes as they walked out the door. So I hope you have a great week. You'll be high on sugar for the afternoon to go spread the gospel on the street corners. God bless you. We will see you next week. <laughs>